Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. Happy Monday. Two great interviews lined up for you. It is Promoters Workshop Monday. Kind of by accident, you'll understand more. Larry Gibson on the program along with Jason Lord. Talk about all that coming up, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Big news this week for the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour and Bertrand Speedway. The Jag CRA All-Stars Tour officially added to the Birch Run calendar for 2024. Everybody joked that if you squinted hard enough, the TBA date on the Jags Tour schedule read Birch Run Speedway. It came to flourishing. It is true. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series is underway. Golden Isle Speedway in Waynesville, Georgia got things kicked off. Hudson O'Neill took night number one on Thursday. Mother Nature with the dub on Friday. And RTJ ruffled some feathers, gone under Superman's cape, but he grabbed the finale on Saturday night. And uh, Rich, as you note there, didn't make any new friends in the process. We'll talk about that coming up. Attica Raceway Park released their 2024 schedule of events. The same staples that you would expect to be on there are on there. Details available at horsepowerhappenings.com. And this is big news that's got everybody all fired up. Officially, entries have been cut off for the short track U.S. Nationals at Bristol featuring the Midwest Modified Tour, CRA Street Stocks, and the Vores Compact Touring Series. Everybody that wants to race now goes to a waiting list. So pretty big news there out of Bristol. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Good evening. My flow racing subscription paid off the, the last several days. Wow. So, yeah, it we're, we're back into that time of year, Zach. Off-season is over. Yeah, off-season's over, and a uh, lot of racing going on. We'll talk about that coming up in just a few. We did put, if you're uh, thinking, man, I need to, uh, what, where is everything? Horsepowerhappenings.com. There's a great article that features the entire lineup, Rich, of broadcasts for Flow Racing over the next couple of weeks and uh, what you're going to watch and where you can find it uh, on Flow Racing. So that's pretty cool. You know, we don't get into this very much anymore, Rich, but what a hot topic this week that we heard rumor was coming down the line. They had been talking about it, and they made it official this week. Lincoln Speedway says the flagman does not have a job anymore. They have went autonomous in the flag stand, Rich. Um, this is a job that you have done at many a racetrack with many a series. 
your thoughts on the decision to ditch the flagman at Lincoln Speedway and go with the automaty. What, what do you think? Well, there's. I had to go back and read what exactly they were doing. So, so basically, the, the the you got two guys in a flag stand typically, right, to watch each end of the racetrack, right? And and one guy's your your lead starter. So those two gentlemen that are normally in the in the flag stand at the start finish line are going to be gone. They are going to have, um, oh, what do you, almost like jumbotrons around the racetrack that identify the drivers, caution whatever what's going on. But they also—they're not getting rid of the human factor. They are going to have some people down in the corners with flags to throw yellows and stuff like okay. that. Um, so, but it—it's it, really ironic because that was usually the connection between the starter and the tower, right? Right. Or the drivers in the tower was the starter. But now, does that really change? Because with everybody with having race receivers, they have they have the race director in their ear anyway. Um, does it really make a difference, you know, and I'm thinking probably not, right? Because the, you have the race director in your ear. If there's a caution, probably yelling, caution, caution, caution. He can yell, they know where to start a race, right? They can have a jumbotron go green. They don't have to have somebody exactly waving a green flag. So I, I'd like to see the first videos of it and see how it works when, yeah. when it kindly kicks off. But, uh, I don't know that it's going to be that bad. I'll tell you my concerns um, initially are a couple of things. The first one is, um, and this was brought up in our Horsepower Happenings uh, chat group that we have, is the fan, f- the, the, the flair of a flagman. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, kids that want to be a flagman or flag person when they grow up. They love watching the head starter in the stand. A starter. That's what, they're not <laughs> yeah, flagman starter, anymore. Starter. Starters. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing that comes to mind. What about debris? What about track conditions? What about rain? We've been in the tower, right, Rich? It can be misting, sprinkling, raining, and sometimes you can't tell from the tower. Now, you mentioned they're still going to have, uh, you know, human flag persons at certain spots of the racetrack, Um, but that ability to be in the flag stand high above the racetrack, right over the racing surface, to look down and see that there is a 916th bolt laying on the racetrack, that could go through somebody's helmet or somebody's tire. Um, that, to me, right, is the important part of being able to see a a brace on the racetrack on the front straightaway that could get kicked up into the stands or into somebody's car. That those are those are where my concerns come in with removing somebody from the flag stand. And, and my big question is, why? Why did they feel they needed to do this, Rich? I, I don't know either, but, I mean, you make great points as well, right? I mean, how many of us go to a racetrack and we like to watch the flagman? We watch right. him to see if he's any good, right? Yeah. Uh, can, can he twirl the sticks? I, heck, right? I watch to know what's going on. I mean, yeah. the the halfway signal, the you lose the leader in traffic, you look to see who's getting the move over flag or who's getting indicated to do something. Um, the halfway signal, two to go, five to go, ten to go. I mean, I watch the flagman like a hawk as an announcer to make sure I know what the heck's going on. Yeah, and a lot of that doesn't matter when you're when you're in the driver's seat these days, like I said, because of race receiver. Mm-hmm. The race director's talking to you. So at that point, probably the flagman is more of an entertainment value to the fans because the drivers do know what's going on. They're yeah. not always – I mean, a lot of racetracks, you can hardly see the starter, right? They're so high and – depending on how the racetrack is. Yeah. So, I'm, But the drivers know 
yeah, when when the race when the white flag's coming out, when you know the, the race director's talking to him. So I don't know that that's as big of a deal, but but you make some good points with you know a small piece of debris that could flatten a tire and put a car in the fence. Um, that that would be a problem. The other thing that I think about, and and this is experience and. Um just having seen it firsthand that some I'm surprised that Lincoln Speedway I'm sure they have thought of this and and have a plan for this but they're a sprint car track rich I mean they run sprint cars on a regular basis and in my experience with both uh, having been at Butler Motor Speedway which is Michigan's you know home for sprint car racing on a weekly basis and the Great Lake Super Sprints sprint car drivers don't want their race receiver going off unless it is yellow, 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 or red, 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 stop, stop, stop. Um, other than that, it it's hard to hear. You can't understand what is ac- exactly is being said. And in the day and age where we have the lightsaber, where you can install that right in your car, um, you know, why, why do we, I just, I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm not a fan. I'm with you. Let's see it in action before we get too uh, worked up about it. But, man. I just, I think it's a weird and strange, strange decision. Yeah, what if you're going down the front straightaway down to the corner, you got, and I'm just using a 55-inch TV screen, and it goes yellow, red, checkers, white. Um, can you see what's going on? And can you to make know, heads or tails of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, like they said, a lot of the racetracks are going to jumbotrons, and they're you know, you can, they put them down in the middle of the racetrack and, and the, the old scoreboards are, are really a day of the past. Right. Yeah. So, um, we'll have to see it, It's just an evolution of our sport. And this is part of our sport that we just haven't seen yet. So we'll have to see how Lincoln Speedway handles it. I think that, uh, if it works, it works. I just hope that if it doesn't work, Lincoln Speedway is okay with putting two people back in the flag stand. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we know a sprint car, it doesn't take any. It doesn't take anything on the racetrack for them to flip them, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So, all right, let's move on to some uh, local news. Rich, as you mentioned, speed weeks are pretty much here, and with that comes drivers who are traveling. And actually, if you look at our script, I'm going to move one thing up uh, and move another thing down just a touch because of that. Last week, um, we had the pleasure of kind of keeping an eye on the USCS sprint cars who were racing at Volusia Speedway Park, Rich. A couple of people from our area, or at least from the area that we watch racing in, Danny Sams III in competition down there in his 24D machine, and Corbin Gurley down there racing as well. Now, Corbin didn't have... Oh, and also uh, Creed Kemenaw. Can't leave him out of the list as well. Uh, Danny Sams, though, had the week, Rich. Uh, Top five finish early in the week, made the feature every single night, which is something that couldn't be said for Creed Kemenaw and Corbin Gurley. So um, if you race up here in the Great White North, you might be eyeballing Danny Sams early because he is hot right now, Rich. He had a great week down at uh, Volusia. When he goes down there, and he pretty much goes down there every year because that's where he's from, right? right? He's from Florida, so. Yeah, he's from Florida, so it's not like an out-of-town trip for him. Doesn't he just seem to do well down there? There's something about home field advantage, as we figured out uh, as gotta, Lions you gotta fans. you got to something, right? <laughs> that because home, home field because advantage. The, because when he comes up north here in the in the spring, he's ready to go. Yeah. He, he comes out of the gate up here on fire. And then he, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, he, as the season goes on, he's cooled off a little bit. But I think that early start benefits him. And it might just be Danny. That 
that helps him to get started early. Um, but by the time he gets up here, he sure is ready. Yeah, he's ready to rock. And so in that same vein, Rich, Dirt Car UMP Modified Drivers take the stage starting tonight, East Bay Raceway Park, and a whole list of drivers who you would see in southern Michigan, either at Hartford Speedway or Butler Motor Speedway, northern Indiana, uh, northern Ohio, are in competition starting tonight, Rich. Uh, Corey Bevard, and I want to take a second here to pause. The Bevards racing this weekend with a heavy heart. Um, this will be their first race without uh, a, a really stand-up guy who, who I got to know very well uh, as my career evolved from Butler and, 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 and that sort of thing. Affectionately known as Bubba, um, he was he was Corey's fuel guy, tear off guy, all of that. Uh, he passed away tragically a couple of weeks ago, suddenly. Um, and uh, you know, Corey and his brother Ali said, "We're still going. We're doing this. Um, you know, we're we're racing." So uh, you know, they race with heavy hearts, but I'm, I know that they're fired up to try to do something for Bubba. So they're down there. Uh, Tim McCafferty, George Zeman, Tyler Morehouse, Josh Lamal, all down there as well. So it's a little bit. There's a, there's a little bit of an alleyway right there down in East Bay that's consumed by northern Indiana and lower Michigan uh, modified drivers, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, what did I see? Zeke McKenzie going down there yeah, as well? Yeah, I, I think you're I right. I thought I seen So, yeah, I want to I be able to catch some of that um, because that's the last time I get to watch anything on TV because I'll, like, be at East Bay in person next week. Yeah, back. yeah. You had to bring that up? I thought I already waved at you one time. <laughs> Uh, with 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 one finger, I didn't think I had to I, do it again. No, I I just had to throw it in one more time yeah. just to remind you. Yeah, of course you did. Um, sad news this week in the racing world, Rich. Uh, take another speedway off of the list of active racetracks, and uh, take another facility off of the list of racing facilities. It is no more. Montville Speedway has officially been sold to a uh, religious organization that plans to build a church on that property, Rich. Um, the good news is they do plan to uh, host some sort of farewell to Montville Speedway and respect the history of the Speedway and allow uh, fans and, and uh, former racers and things of that nature to come and uh, take it in before the trans uh, transformation begins, Rich. But uh, Montville has officially sold. It went on the market. We, we uh, reported that a couple of weeks ago. And... Um, it's going to have new life. Kind of fitting that it's going to be turned into a church because Merle Holden, who owned that facility with his wife for so many years, was a pastor uh, down in Indiana. And so uh, I guess if it can't be a racetrack, uh, that's probably the next best thing with keeping Merle in mind. You know, I mean, you're more familiar with that area than I am because I'm from the other side of the state. But, I mean, the last couple of years was... Is this a really big surprise? Was the writing on the wall that something had to be done one way or the other? I think that when you, uh, you, you no, that's not a, a bad statement at all. I think you're right on track there. That place was was hanging on um, by a thread, quite literally. I mean, obviously, right? When, when the owner passes away, and that's when the township comes in and says, you guys are done, that's how you know. I mean, you've just been, you've just been grandfathered in for so long. And you've just been doing what you need to do to, you know, hit even or hit zero or, you know, only be enough in the red that you can still open the next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the writing was on the wall. That place was getting rough. I used to race there. You know, I, I rookie of the year there, uh, runner up in points there, should have had a championship there probably. Um, you know, that place is, is deep for me. That's where I started. My whole racing career started right there. Um, but you're, you're probably right. It was... It was probably time. 
Yeah, so, I mean, and that's what I thought. You know, I I just don't get a lot of news about it here, so I try to catch whatever I can on Facebook. I mean, we, you know, you and I, Zach, we don't want any tracks going away, right? Right. Um, It's never good for our sport. But, um, you know, I mean, I guess... I guess on the other hand, anybody that was running there now uh, maybe can help strengthen the tracks around it uh, to get a little bit stronger. I mean, that's all you can do, right? M40 Speedway, Galesburg, yep. Um, yep. you know, the South Bend. There's there's a lot of options um, for those pl- places to go to. So um, Restoration, another fitting thing, right? Uh, restoration Church, based in nearby Constantine, is who's taking over the property. So... Um, a little bit poetic, and, and they promise an opportunity for fans and drivers and things of that nature to come out and say goodbye. Big news, Rich, uh, today, and we had heard that this might be coming, former Birch Run Speedway general manager Jason Lord has accepted and uh, signed the dotted line to become the new general manager of Nashville Fairground Speedway. Now, obviously, you and I were privy to this information for a couple of weeks, Rich, but when it when we finally heard about it, um, your thoughts on Jason going to Nashville? Uh, I, I think Nashville's lucky to have him, to be honest with you. I mean, Jason really did a, a, a great job at the Birch Run Speedway and Event Center. Um, you know, we got to know Jason over the past couple of years. And, um, I mean, always welcomed us. And he made that place a family atmosphere where you could take your family. It wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't just you know, Hey, you and your buddies, let's just go to the racetrack one night and, and tie one on at, at the concession <laughs> stand, right? Yeah. At the beer stand. Um, you know, gasoline, you know, gas alley bar underneath. I mean, and we've been in there. What a nice place that is underneath yep. the grandstands. Uh, no, I think, I think, it, I think Jason, if you think about it and what's required to do the job at Nashville fairground speedway, Jason fits right in. Yep. And obviously we know Scott did a great job, um, but he's got a lot on his plate right now uh, and has had a lot on his plate with, with, you know, taking over Glenn's job with CRA and that whole changeover. And obviously he's involved with the ASA Stars National Tour. It was time uh, for, for Nashville to get its own person, a dedicated person to just worry about Nashville. Track Enterprises saw that and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk to Jason coming up and, and we'll hear about that how you know menlin and and lord in a conversation that was half-hearted uh kind of opened the door for this but you need somebody to be dedicated to that place even though they don't race weekly rich it's a full-time gig with as much attention as that thing has nationally and you know we know that just because they're not racing um it doesn't mean there's nothing going on at nashville <laughs> right. speedway right um i mean it seemed to me like every, every week or every other week i mean they got cars people running the track and testing there yeah. So, um, yeah, these cars that race there, race there are just not showing up there once a month. They're testing and then going back to the shop and making their cars better. Um, so, yeah, no, there is a lot of work. It's a huge property um, and a lot going on on that property, as we both know. So um, he's going to have a lot of work to do. It's, it, you know, even though they're not racing as much as as he raced with uh, at Birch Run, um, it's still going to be a full time job and then some. And Zach, on the phone lines now, we have a gentleman who himself and his family, deep roots in the super modified ranks of racing throughout the years, going way back many years. Um, He is now the owner and promoter of the Outlaw 350 Super Modified Sprint Car Series. Larry Gibson, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Appreciate you guys having me on here. 
Larry, let's let's start back with your dad. Um, I mean, and it, you can let us know if it goes back further than that, but a deep, super modified open wheel history within your family. Talk about that. Uh, well, yeah, dad, uh, dad started here at the local track here at Richwood, Ohio, at the little fairgrounds. That's where he first cut his teeth. Um, his, his, actually his first race he ever done was on a motorcycle. And I think dad said he was 15 and he needed a waiver signed. And, you know, of course his dad was already gone because his dad passed away when, when dad was in the eighth grade. So he's been like, you know, what, 11, 12, and he, he, his dad had passed away. So it was just his mom. And dad was the youngest of uh, 12. And, you know, they, they, you know, they had experienced, you know, family losses. And so they were kind of protective. And um, dad wanted to go run a, a scooter at the track. And his mom, my grandma, said no. And dad, I guess, had just looked at her and said, either you sign this or I'm going to walk out the door and sign it for you. <laughs> and she said, well, I suppose I ought to go ahead and sign it just to make it legal. Wow. And that's that's kind of where it all started. He went from there to uh, working in the junkyard, and he would build his own cars out of the junkyard parts and start racing. And then um, I think it's 65 is when he really kind of built a what we call nowadays supers and started racing, you know, traveling, you know, and, and you got to remember, man, back then, you know, dad, dad was racing five nights a week. Yeah. I mean, he'd start out at a little, little track here to um, a little town in, in outside of Columbus, Powell Speedway. Thank you, dear. My wife remembered that because she used to go by there, Powell Speedway. And then he'd go out to Anderson and race. And then he would go to Oswego and then he would hit another track right at the border and then go to Sandusky. And, I mean, it was – but that's that's how Dad made his living. He could make more racing than he could work in a job. So he was a, he was a body man by trade and uh, where he worked at Gerber and Rainball here in Richwood. And they just told him, they said, as long as you get your work done, we don't care when you leave. Just make sure you come back and get the next week's stuff done. And so it worked out well. And um, – uh, quick story, um, how dad went to Oswego for the first time. A lot of people don't know this. It's because he got barred from Lorraine County for punching the flagman because they disqualified him because he was rough driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I asked dad, I said, whatever made you go to Oswego? He said, well, I said, we were racing and got a little rough and they black flagged me. And I went up to the flagman and said, why'd you do that? And he said, well, you're, you're rough driving. And dad didn't like the answer, so he punched him. And he said, you're barred. So dad went to the car owner and said, well, I hear there's a track in New York that's a pretty good one. You want to go? So that's how he ended up going to New York. <laughs> and, and obviously uh, and obviously, that was the stepping stone um, for you and your brothers to continue the family legacy, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been known to uh, throw it down if we have to. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, back then things were just so much different. You Nobody called the cops or anything. You you know, if you did wrong, you, you kind of took your ass beating and went on. That's <laughs> just the way life was. Right. So, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been in a couple in the pits with my dad, for my dad. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, I can remember Tanuski Speedway, two guys come down after him. And me and my brother Jeff took one guy and dad took the other one. So That's the classic, we uh, that's the classic line, you're going to get my butt whooped and I'm not happy about it, but we're, we're going to do what we got to do. Yep. Um, yeah, well, we, we it was a Gibson trade. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk about, you know, obviously you get into into the auto racing thing after watching Dad do it, and it's a family affair. Um, 
you know, you you find some some moderate success. I call it moderate just because you know <laughs> of what you said when we got started here before we went on the air. But I think it's a pretty darn good career. Talk about your driving career just just briefly, and then we'll get into what uh, the meat and potatoes of what we're um, here for. I, I started out in '86. Uh, I had Dad's '86 car that he built. Actually, somebody just posted on Facebook here a while ago. I just said, "Yeah, that's the car I started out with." Um, it's a car Dad had built um, as a big block. And it was when he was having medical problems and his arms would actually go numb during the race. And uh, I remember at Oswego, he, uh, he got in a wreck. And me and Terry went up and said, what happened? And he just looked at us and said, I couldn't feel my arms to turn the wheel to avoid the wreck. Go right into it. Wow. And that's, that's when Dad finally started quitting the, the first round. And so uh, I ended up with that car as my first car. Started out in Supers, and, and this, this all will tie together. Back then, um, I just had a stock motor, and I knew I wasn't going to win, but I wanted to race because my dad did it. It was, you know, one of them things, and you grow up. That's, that's, your, that's what you got to do. And so I started out with that car in 86, and even back then, the right rear tires were 235 bucks, And, I, you know, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford them big motors. Back then, they were ten grand. Nowadays, they're $50,000 for a motor. Yeah. So I, I couldn't afford it. I, I put together what the best I could with the money that I had. Um, married at the time, had a kid, you know, so there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of money to go around. I worked a lot of overtime to, to fund my career, to, to have my fun. And, um, you know, that, that's just where, we, where I started. And two years in, I had a guy, uh, Dave Reynolds, that offered to trade me a midget for my super. And I was like, you know, I really can't afford the super. I ain't got no help. This is probably the smartest thing I could do. So I traded for an old Edmunds car, and I reworked it over the winter and started out at uh, Flat Rock Speedway first first night out because I had been running the midgets for Larry Burkhart uh, and Bill Sager, uh, blue number 26. And I got to tell you guys, I, my, my first year running um, Arkham Midgets, I had to compete against a guy named Doug Coletta for Rookie of the Year, and needless to say, I did not win that by <laughs> not even close. I mean, I, I, if I got a top ten, I was lucky, and Doug was fighting for wins. Wow. So I, I knew two races in, that wasn't going to happen, so I just, you know, didn't at that point. But uh, I started out with my midget, and uh, first first night to, uh, to Flat Rock, and um, – the two guys in front of me came together, and I swerved the miss, and I ended up hitting the backstretch wall and flipped the car up on the cage and skidded down the backstretch on its cage. And I was so pissed because this is when Illuminite Hymens first come out, and I'd spent $200 oh, to buy man. all new Illuminite for the front of my car, and I snapped every one of them. I was so mad. <laughs> and I, I, I can remember Terry Oliger. I'm sure you remember Terry Oliger. I, I got out of the car, and, you know, the officials are running towards me, and I get out of my car, grab it, and I flip it back on its wheels by myself. Oh, boy. Man, I'm pissed. And I start walking across the track because I was going to go chew them other two guys out. I don't know what I was going to do, but I was going to do something. <laughs> and I remember Terry Oliger meeting me halfway across that track going, hey, Larry, how you doing? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, hi, Terry, how you doing? He said, where you going, buddy? Uh, well, I thought about going over here talking to these guys. He's like, nah, that ain't going to solve nothing. Come on, let's go back to your car. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so I went back, and uh, luckily uh, some guys jumped in, and I had all my spares, and I was able to get my car back together because I'd qualified fourth quick at night. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. for a little 
And I, I had a little 140 stage three heads. You, you knew back then the injections stood kind of stood straight out. And that's when the uh, this is when the 151 and the uh, the stage four heads started coming out. So it was a lot more. You know, they had more power. So I was pretty happy with my results up to that point. And I think I, I finished in the top five most of the time that year. And that's where I got my midget start. And then in uh, 90, the year 94, uh, Dad had actually bought a car and had raced with Terry for a year. And then in 94, Dad and I talked, and we decided to build a car. Uh, we'd actually went to Indiana to the Leary Motorsports to buy a motor. And they had a, uh, there was a frame set in there that uh, Chuck Larry had wrecked at IRP on opening night. And it was bit. And we talked about the motor, and then Dad asked about that frame. And old man Larry says, well, you buy this motor, I'll give you that frame. And I knew right then we were buying that motor because <laughs> that frame come home with us, and we copied it. And then in 95, I come out with the uh, the, the Flintstone Flyer, and I was drove for my dad. And that was the year that I won the ARCA championship. Yeah. So, wow. What a, what a, what a story. What a background. <laughs> yeah. So now yeah, so. you fast forward 30 years and, um, yep. you know, you're running, you talk about the history of the sport. And I think this is awesome. When I kind of got looking into this, um, super modified. So this is the, the outlaw 350 super modified sprint yep. series is the official name of it. And you reach back yep. into your history bank and you go, yeah, that's right. Sprint cars and modifieds, they had a time there where they ran together because nobody knew which was which. Um, and yep. so now we're doing that again in, in an area where you don't see, aside from, from Jim Hanks and must-see racing, you don't see a lot of wing sprint car racing around the Great Lakes region or the, the Midwest. You really don't see right. any outlaw modified racing anymore around these regions. You've taken those two divisions, you've found a rule package that works for both of them, you put them together, and you title it Outlaw 350 Super Sprint Series, uh, Super Modified Sprint Series. Talk about this whole thing, how it come together for you. Uh, basically, I just wanted to be a throwback. I mean, this is something that me and Brother Terry had talked about for years and years and years. And but back then, we were considering the old 80-inch offset cars, like the, the car Tim Richmond and my dad would reign in the 70s. But uh, we just never, never did it. And then when this opportunity came, uh, I had another partner that we started with. Uh, we did the first year together, and uh, thanks to Lorraine County for giving us that opportunity. They they gave us like three or four races that year, and that kind of got uh, that kind of got things going for us. And then uh, him and I had a, a disagreement, so we 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 kind of went our own separate ways. And uh, I I told him I said, "You go your way, I'm going my way, and this is what I'm doing." And I kept the same rules. I, I tried to base most of it off of what Oswego does because I thought, well, maybe I can get a few cars from Oswego to come down. But uh, we started it out the first year. I think we only had like four or five cars. Um, I owned two of them. Uh, just, to, you know, I mean, I immediately pushed all my chips in. I said, I'm in. I, I'm, this is what I'm doing. And so uh, last year I owned three cars and had a motor and a fourth one, you know. So that's where it started. I wanted the sprint cars. We, we wanted to give them, we, we were not trying to take them away from anybody, but we're trying to just give them another place to run. We, we, we brought in some decent money, $300 to start. Um, our tires only cost 200 bucks for a tire. And, you know, you get a set of four for less than a gram and most guys can make them last three to four nights of racing. I mean, I had a guy last year that won a race, on three night old tires, so they're they're lasting good, and then that's where the the savings is coming in. And so 
I wanted to sprint cars to try to be competitive. I gave them a weight break. I mean, and, and it's a work in progress. We're, we're not done. I mean, I still, I, I want them to be able to get up front. They're, they're not there yet. We've had a couple guys. Uh, the 52 has done really good, but in the feature, he kind of faded. And then um, uh, Sawyer Stout almost won a race last year by inches. And, you know, but he's like, I, I want a super. You know, he wanted a super, so he went that route too. So I, I want to keep these guys where they can be competitive. I, I don't want them to be back markers. I don't want them to be field fillers. I want them to be racers. I want them to get up there and mix it up with my guys, mix it up with these supers, just like the days of Bob Seelman, Johnny Logan, Bob Fry, Donnie Townsend. I mean, those guys used to beat my dad. You know, Jimmy Linder would take his car off the dirt, throw a big-ass wing on the top, and would whip everybody. So that's – I, I want to get that excitement back into this. I want people to understand the difference, and I want these guys to, you know, go at it hard and, and, and race and pull off the track, laugh, clap, shake hands, say, good job, you beat me this time. I'm going to get you next time, and that's where I want it to be. Larry, I need to ask you, and just to clarify it, so – and if there is a difference, I don't know. I don't know the technical side of it, but um, th- back in the day, we talked a little bit for on air, you know, the 11 second cars that went around Toledo Speedway back in the 90s and, and in 2000s. Um, what are the differences between your series now and those cars? Uh, I had a guy asking me after that, and I told him, I said, about two seconds and $100,000. <laughs> wow, that's the easiest way I can tell you. Because wait a minute, a top, a catch top, up. I just thought you said a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Wow, wow. my series, wow. my series. I, I mean, I, I talked to a guy yesterday, and I, I forwarded him pictures. I've got a car out of the East Coast that for ten five, you can buy this car complete without a motor. It's already been converted to the three fifties, already on the ten inch wheels. Put your motor in it, build a set of headers, and come race with us. You can do that for less than 20 gram. Okay? Wow. To get a good super modified. I'm talking an Oswego modified. I'm talking, uh, you know, a top notch Isma car. They're between 80 and 100 grand for a car. And then you better shell out another 50 to 75,000 for a motor. So, oh my. like I said, the difference is a couple seconds and $100,000. That's, that's the easiest way I can tell you. That's why I want my series to be – it's for the bucket list guys who always wanted to do it. I, I, I told this guy, I, and just by luck today, I, I opened my phone. Here's on Facebook, a motor, complete motor, $4,000. I sent it to him. I said, here, go buy that car and get this motor. And I said, for $15,000, you are almost there. And we'll see you in April. And he, <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in April, buddy. And he's like, OMG, I got to get this going. And I, and, and I told him, I said, it's on the East Coast. He will bring it to the Muldoon shop if needed. I, I said, if you put it together, I'm off right now on disability. I had a knee replaced. I'm still doing rehab. I said, if, if you want me to go get it, I'll go get it. You just pay for my fuel. There you go. So, well, what you know, a, and, and, you know, you know so but, what a great schedule, too. So you look at this, and so now we know, right, sprint cars versus stand-up modifieds. They're close. Still some work to do. You've yep. made some rule adjustments this year, so hopefully 2024 yep. brings them even closer. Obviously, yep. uh, the ban on your namesake at Lorraine has been lifted because you have multiple uh, dates there at that racetrack. Um, and yep. this schedule, man, uh, really 
you're venturing out here in 24, second year with it being under your uh, direction solely. Talk about this schedule you've yep. put together and really some blockbuster events on this schedule for 24 as well. Yep, and I got to uh, I got to give a shout out to my uh, my buddy Bobby Jackson. He he has really been pushing me to get over there because he's from Michigan, and he he Bobby Jackson was the official first car owner of my series. He went to New York and bought the first car to get this rolling. And uh, if you want a car, you want a motor, you need parts, call Bobby. That that dude can find anything. But uh, he he was on me like you know got to do this. I said all right, and so he actually reached out to a couple of the tracks for me while I was kind of not moving around very well and helped me put some of these together and then uh plymouth speedway i just you know there, there's tracks that i ran back in the in the 90s and 2000s in the midget series that i know are good tracks um i do not want to go to the big tracks i want short tracks i want small tracks talk, talk way, about that no because people may not wonder people may go why you know the big tracks uh, are you know the staples they're what these these cars used to run on you know when they're thinking about uh, the different sanctionings, but for an economy series, explain why the big tracks don't work. Um, engines, motors, you know, I mean, we try to keep our engine program as tight as we can, but if you get a guy that has found a distinct advantage, he is going to stink your show up. He is going to take off and leave everybody, and it, it's just boring. So I, uh, I, I want them on short tracks. Um, we did, we did last year take on, the, like everybody else, if we have a caution, we do double file restarts. The first two guys can pick their lane, the rest of them fall in line. So we're racing. So um, I just think the short tracks, it doesn't give any one person an advantage, and it doesn't give any one person a disadvantage. I think on the bigger tracks, your supers are going to have a little more advantage because their wings move up and down. They, they can set the chassis a little different versus a sprint car who have a fixed wing. So, I mean, when they're all fixed, nobody has an advantage. But when I have two different sets of rules, I, I don't want the sprint car guys to be at a disadvantage as much as I can stop it. So I, I want short tracks because I want side-by-side racing. I don't want follow the leader. I want these guys to race. I mean, I, I don't know if you was at the, seen anything about the uh, the high miler last year on Thursday night. My my first two guys, Frankie and Clay, them two swapped the lead and ran side by side for almost twelve laps, just literally side by side. One would slip, one would take the lead, the other and cross them over. I was like, this is awesome. This is what, what racing is all about. Larry, I got to ask you this. You know, over the years, as as I was watching. The, the super modifieds and and the technology just kept growing and growing even with wing sprint right. cars right and yep. they get and it got faster and faster and faster and you know so fast that we were talking 11 second laps at toledo um yeah the safety have a factor in your decision to run these cars on smaller racetracks because obviously unfortunately you know firsthand um what can happen at 11 second laps at toledo speedway yeah, yeah. I mean, after losing my brother, I mean, I, I do pay a little more attention to safety. And then um, after Zachary getting hurt at Toledo, it was like, okay, now i got to look a little closer. What did I miss? So with, with those two things, we do look at it. But honestly, the safety in the big blocks versus the safety in my cars are virtually the same. There's no we, – we don't cut corners. We keep the rules pretty much the same. Seat belts are five points, full containment seats. 
onboard fire extinguishers. Now they've come up with extinguishers where if it catches on fire, there's actually a little glass ball in there that'll burn and it'll set off by itself. Yeah, Not, you don't have systems, to worry yeah. about being unconscious and pulling up, pulling a cord. It'll go off on its own. So, and we even, we even implemented uh, fire extinguishers on the sprint cars, which is something that a lot of people don't do. A lot of your sprint cars now, they, they don't carry fire extinguishers. We are pushing that issue to get extinguishers on everybody's because you just never know. You know, I, I watched Mike Fedorchik get burnt. That was not a good thing to watch at Toledo Speedway. So, I mean, a lot of things happen at Toledo, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you go to fast tracks, it happens. It happens yeah. fast. How many, how many drivers do you have? How many how many drivers do you have committed to to run your series in twenty twenty four? Right now, I've got between fifteen to twenty. Wow, that's, wow, a that's great pretty number. good. That's a great number. Yep, that that is, and you know, like I said, we're we're still working on some guys, and that's counting some guys that say they're going to be there, and I don't know if they will, so I don't count them. Sure. That's that's fifteen guys. That I'm ninety eight percent sure they're going to be there. Wow, you know, so. And, and I'm sure as we get going, you know, I mean, I, I know some people are skeptical. Uh, you know, everybody's got your naysayers out there going, oh, it'll never last. So as we get going, I'm still still looking for that big title sponsor to, you know, to get a, like a five-year deal to say, look, we're here, guys. We ain't going nowhere. You know, this, this, we've got it. This is, we're going to do this. You know, but I'm going to do it anyway. Whether And I tell all my guys up front, this is, this is the money I got. This is what I'm paying you guys. And at the end of the night, I, I get nothing. I, I don't take no money. I got a job. I work. I make a decent living. I do this because I, I love doing this. This is what I love to do. And, yeah, I've been, you know, getting my head ripped off here and there, and I've, I've jumped back. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a couple guys have to get between me and another guy because we were having an argument. But I, I don't. No, I, no I, you're, I you're a promoter. You're a promoter, Larry. It's a heated discussion. Not an argument. You're a promoter. That's a heated, heated discussion. Heated discussion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, I, I will fight back, but, and, and, and it's really weird being on this side versus that side. That side, I used to rip a rule book apart. I, I would just dissect <laughs> that damn thing and figure out how to, how to get around it. Now I got to figure out how to make sure that that guy over there can't do that to me. <laughs> you know, and I've already had a couple phone calls and a guy said, Hey, he says, uh, on your wings. Uh, I said, yeah. He says, well, says single, you know, two element. And I said, yeah, that's what it says. Well, it doesn't say it in the rule book. I said, yeah, it does. Well, no, it doesn't. I'm like, oh, bull crap. Come on. And I looked it, and I didn't. I did not have it. I, I swear to God, I had it in there somewhere. <laughs> but it was not in there. Yeah, that, so that, that I, had to, the I had to call the guy and said, hey, we got we to add this in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, I, I don't know where I lost it, but we got to add all this in. So we, we make sure we highlight everything that we've changed in our rule book. On the on the outlaw350.com. I mean, you can check out all the rules, everything that we're doing. I mean, and if it's highlighted, it's something we have changed. So I mean, it's all good. I mean, everybody. Mo- right now, most of the guys, if if they find something, they just like to to get my goat and just say, "Hey, man, you screwed up." I'm like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you yeah, know, naturally. I'm a lemon bean. I make mistakes. Go ahead, yeah, Rich. And, and and Larry, you know, I'm back on that car count thing. You know, it's it, you're on the other side where. When you want to get an event at a racetrack, those promoters are asking you, how many cars can you bring? Because nobody right. wants a seven, six, seven, eight car show. That doesn't, exactly. do you guys, that doesn't do you guys any good. It doesn't do the race fans any good. And it doesn't do the racetrack any good. 
Right, right. Yep. And that's, that's, you know, that's why we stayed close to home the first two years. We were fortunate enough that uh, uh, Lorraine Speedway and Sandusky would, would help us. I mean, they, they, they knew me and they knew what I was trying to do. They knew the people behind me, uh, Greg Willis. I mean, there's a guy that I cannot say enough good things about. And actually this year we announced it at our little powwow here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Greg Willis put up 10 grand for a point fund. Can't, wow. can't thank the guy enough. You know, I mean, that, that's huge for me because that, that, you know, now I can advertise that and say, you know, this is what we're going to do guys, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's all different. I mean, I got to look at things at a different perspective. Um, I, I have my wife to thank because she keeps me in check a lot. I mean, she'll look at me and say, no, you can't do that. Or, no, you're not allowed to do that. I'm like, why? Because when you're on, the, you got to do it this way. You know, if you're coming off too hard. And so, I mean, I, sometimes I, I'm a little harsh on how I say stuff, but I've been a truck driver for 35 years. <laughs> and I always tell people, you can't bullshit a bullshit. That's right. As, as my grandpa would say, you can uh, you can put mud in a mud pie, and you can put snow on a snowman, but you cannot BS a BSer. So, um, right, right. I want to ask you about this. You mentioned the the product on the racetrack. Now, people who listen to our show often know that I'm a uh, a bit of a dirt dauber, although I do work a lot in the in the asphalt world. And Rich is more of an asphalt yeah. guy, but he does work a lot in the dirt world. When I watch a Great Lakes Super Sprint Series event on the dirt, passing happens everywhere you look. I mean, those 360 sprint right. cars are on top of each other all the time. And I've had this conversation yep. with uh, with Jim Hanks and and with the folks from, you know, the, the 500 Sprint Car Tour back when it was a winged uh, Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Super Sprints Tour. And I've said, I've been critical publicly that winged pavement sprint car racing does not produce the same excitement uh, of a non-wing sprint car race on the asphalt or a dirt sprint car race. How is it different for you guys uh, with, with your tour and what you guys have? Um, variety of drivers. Um, I took one of your 360 guys, Frankie. Yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> I, you did. <laughs> I kind of I, I stole him from you. When, well, he was I, your, I he was your, he was your defending this. champion, right? He, he was your champion last year? Yeah, and that was my car. There you go. He, so that, he literally is your a, champion. Yes, he is my he is he is the champion of my series. Um, I I knew Frankie from running the three hundred fives with my uh, with my son. He's very competitive, very bullheaded. He hates to lose, and that's the guy I want behind the wheel of my car for sure. So when I when I called him and told him what I had, and I because I had him, and then then you go to the other spectrum. You have Todd Buchanan, nicest, laid back, easiest going, fiercest competitor you're going to find. Todd doesn't get excited, he doesn't get mad, he doesn't scream, but get on the racetrack, and he will run you so damn hard, and he will try to pass you, and he will not give up. And, again, 305 guy, known him most of my life. Todd Buchanan was named after my dad. That's where he got his name. So when I, when I picked those two to drive my cars, um, the deal was I told him, I said, look, I'm running a series. I don't have time to mess with the cars. You come and get them. You take them home. You do what you need to do. I don't want to know nothing. Um, you race them. You wreck them. You fix them. And if you need tires, I will give you the tires you're allotted to have. There you go. And at the end of the night, I'm taking the paycheck because it's my investment. <laughs> and they both said, no problem. We're in. So, so back That's to the original the question. I, need. I wonder about With this. That? So back to the original question. I wonder about this 350 program, right, because most of the winged sprint car 
and wing modified racing that you watch is open motors and you know make right. as much horsepower and, and go as fast as you can that doesn't result in a good on-track race that just results in really yep. intense qualifying um your yep. guys's program is different with your engine package that kind of does like you said earlier try we to are. keep everybody on top very, of each other very limited you're, you're very limited you you can you can have a what we call a 604 sealed crate that you can buy from motor state speedway jags uh through gm correct uh, direct they come with sealed seals on them um, and we have a weight rule for sealed motors. They are a stock GM 350, 604 head. And from what I told, I've been told and I've looked at these heads, they're, they're kind of state of the art for what they are. And you can't touch them. You, you try to grind on them, you're going to grind through and you're going to go spend some money to buy another one because you can't fix it. So the word is out, don't touch them. So <laughs> these things put out between 430 and 450 horsepower. They're all the same. Now, my guys, they all like, hey, you know, we can buy this head. It's cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So um, how are we going to control this? And, you know, they're looking at me, and I'm going, ah, here we go. I get to be the bad guy. I say, okay, fine. Um, if you want to use this Pro Max head, it's the CC runners are actually a little smaller than the 604s, but they're half price compared to buying a 604 head. Okay, fine, and 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 I know guys are gonna cheat their cams. I mean, I can't I can't police the cam. I'm not gonna tear you apart at the racetrack. That's not right. what I want to do. Right. Okay, fine. You you guys want you guys want this open motor? Okay, fine. Sealed motors are 1,800 pounds. Non-sealed motors are 2,000 pounds. Yep. And they looked at me, and I said, "You got a problem? No. <laughs> okay. Just gotta find just cars. gotta find some lead." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told and I told him. I said you can bolt the lid on. I said, but I'm going to tell you all. And I told him this at this last meeting. You can ask him. I said, God forbid, your lid comes off. I said, I will be so deep in you, you ain't going to like it. <laughs> I said because that'll really tear somebody's stuff up. Oh yeah. I said so. It it best not come off. And Larry, and Larry, to be honest, on an, you you know, let's just talk about one real quick on that. On an 1800 pound race car, 200 pounds is monumental that's huge the way i figure it i mean because you can only get so much horsepower out of these motors because the way the, the the these heads are basically the old 23 degree heads they're uh if anybody knows they're the old the old 202 double hump heads that were steel back when uh what was this sas sprint car started i mean they don't flow the best and you can't do a whole lot to them so i figure okay if you can gain another 30, 40 horses, okay, I'm, my calculation is it's, it's, it's uh, 100 pounds for every 15 horsepower you're going to gain. And, and I, I, I tell everybody right up front, now this, this, is, this is put in the rule book, but everything is subject to change because if I find that that ain't enough, I'm going to add. It's easier to add to them guys than to tell the Neubauer family that those guys are tall. Them guys, they can't take weight off. Their, their cars are to the minimum now. So they were like, we, we can't get no weight off. How, how are we going? Okay, fine. Let's add it to these guys. So that's where we're at. We're going to add it to those guys. So the 1800 versus the 2000. Then my sprint car guys, they're at 1650. They got a 400, almost a 400-pound weight break. Yeah. And yeah, and well, like you, you said, you, you're you trying to make them keep them motor. competitive. Right. That's it, it, weight weight is 
weight is massive. I mean, it, it, it'll control a lot of things. And we still have, just, just like the big block supers, we still have a 65% left side weight rule. So, you know, and, and I did tell the guys this year, I said, I'm going to be rolling the top five across the scales every night. There you go. We are going to be checking. We are going to check everybody. You know, the last, last year I, I really couldn't do that because when you only got eight cars, last thing you want to do is stir it up. So, we, you know, I, I took some flack. I, I, you know, everybody kind of, you know, complained to me, and I'm like, okay, yeah. And, and they get done. I'd look at them and say, you got another car you're going to put on the track? <laughs> Why? Well, because if I piss him off and don't come back, I'm down to five cars. No? Yep. Okay, then let's just run with this for this year, okay? Yep. Work with me. And yep. they're all like, yep, cool, no problem, we appreciate it. So I got a really good group of guys, yep. and they all understand that this is a work in progress. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to take nothing away from the big box supers because they are still awesome as hell to watch. Them guys, I mean, the way, they, the, way the technology on them things are, they're still bad as hell to watch. But I want, you know, we, we are a lot slower and we are a lot more, I would say, competitive. We have, I mean, my last race, I had three guys fighting for the lead. And then I have Quest Restoration that gives $150 for the last person running on the track. Doesn't matter if you're 10 laps down. If you're running and you're the last, and you have to be running, you get an extra 150 bucks. Well, if you're getting 300 start and another 150, that's 450 bucks. That ain't bad money. I had three guys fighting for last spot. <laughs> so it was like, okay, I got this group guys are fighting for first and this group of guys fighting for last. And so we have racing all over. Yeah, it's you know, great. And, and, it, and it's kind of cool that way. And it's a great schedule to, uh, you know, outlaw350series.com, yep. as you mentioned. Lorraine Raceway Park kicks things off on May 4th. You come near yep. our area Saturday, May 11th, for your second show with uh, Plymouth Motor Speedway. Then you are right in Michigan, Saturday, June 1st, at Flat Rock. You go to Sandusky Speedway in between there uh, on May 25th. Yep. Back to Lorraine, then you head over to Lancaster for a non-point special. July 6th, back yep. at Sandusky, and then July 27th, hit Sandusky one more time. Head back to Michigan for M40 Speedway on August 10th. Sandusky again on the 24th, yep. a doubleheader at Lorraine, the 21st and 22nd. And then Sandusky doubleheader wraps it up on the 5th and 6th. Really, in my opinion, pretty darn nice schedule. Yeah, it, I wanted to do a little traveling, uh, and the first track I wanted was Flat Rock because... Rain there with the Arkham Midgets. Love the track. Love the facility. Love the people who run it. Um, Ron Drager, super cool dude. I mean, I, I can't say enough about Ron. Um, when when Terry got killed, he was he was here. He came down, cleared out in our little house. And uh, then when Zach got hurt, he went to the hospital and visited Zach every day. So can't say enough about Arca, about that whole group. They're they're a class act. Um, I think we're going to put on a really good show there because of the banking. The, the guys will be able to you know to do two grooves and, and do some really hard racing. I, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and then M40, I, I raced there again in the midgets. Uh, I won there. It, it's it, it is a fast little joint, and again, it's wide enough that we can run two grooves. I think that'll be really cool. Uh, Plymouth, I was there a long time ago, and I know it's went through some changes, so I've not been there since it's went back to pavement. So that'll be interesting. I've not been there. And I've also reached out to uh, Owasso and some other tracks that we're looking at for the following year. Yeah, um, I would, I would, I, I, I would, I would be surprised if you're not on the Owasso schedule next year. I'm, I'm right? <laughs> am I wrong, Rich? I mean, <laughs> he's brought everything in there this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I talked to him, and um, I just couldn't get I couldn't get his number. 
I, I could not figure out how to get a hold of this guy. And finally, through another another friend, I got a number, and Rex was like, oh, man, I've already got my schedule done. I said, yeah, yeah I see that. I said, I, I just want to put my name out there. And he's like, hey, you come up this year, and we'll definitely do something for the 25. I'm like, all right, cool. And, you know, I don't I don't want to become a full-blown travel series yet. I don't, I don't think the guys want to do that. But like I tell them, we need to travel so people can see us. Yeah, so get that exposure. If I can do a 50-50, because we call Lorraine and Sandusky our home tracks, okay? Those tracks, they get $1,000 to win, and they get $300 to start a race, okay? Not, not bad money, because most of them live within 20 minutes of the racetrack. Um, the traveling series, we pay $1,200 to win, and we pay $400 to start, because everybody's got to travel. It's more, more fuel, more cost, everything else. Yeah right down the line so like okay and that's that's not a hateful purse you know i mean I, it is probably getting up there a little bit but you know i still got to try to cover the expenses of what we got to do and you know and i think once we get there and put on the show and the reputation gets out i don't think it'll be an issue after that there you, you go know? so if i could if i could get i mean if i could get 12 shows and i can get six and six that would be that that's good for me you know, because I live clear down here by Marysville, just north of Columbus. So everywhere I go is three to four hour drive. So I mean, me and Newbowers and Pat Mead, we all we all we do a lot of traveling. You know, because we live the farthest away. So, but um, you know, that that would be an ideal schedule for me is do six and six. But I, I wanted Flat Rock. I, I I made that. That was the first call I made, and uh, you know, try to work with them because I just I, I like that. I like the facility. Yep. And that, that's the thing. I, I go to a facility that I think we can put on a good show. I, I don't want to go to some place that, you know, yeah, they paid the purse, but the track's rough. It's not good. It's not – the facilities is not good. It's like, okay, I, I don't want to go there. I, I don't I don't want to go there just to say I went there to make money. Right. That's, that's not what it's about. I want to go and put on a good show for the people because, you know, people work hard for their money. And I want them to enjoy what they do. I want them to enjoy the show. I want them to feel like they got their money's worth. Well, you can that, uh, you that, can that. count on some fans to come out. Uh, you know, at these shows, these are going to be great races. Uh, again, check them out on Facebook if you're on Facebook. Outlaw 350 Super Modified Sprint Series on Facebook or outlaw350series.com uh, to learn more information about this series that is growing, is continuing to grow. And uh, Larry, it's exciting, man. You see growth in our sport you see some new stuff coming around it's not something you see very often so it's pretty cool good luck with 2024 man and we're looking forward to seeing you rich i know you're going to get to see him at least once uh for, yep. for that grand at Prix. least at so, least once for sure yeah it's going to be good larry thank you man <laughs> we appreciate you coming on i do thank you guys have a good day well rich kind of a uh, surprise guest tonight somebody we didn't necessarily think we were going to uh be talking to this evening but we had an idea that something might be coming down the line just based on some other news uh from uh you know from this off season i don't know where to tell you that he's from currently so uh you know we'll just get into it a new general manager at the nashville fairground speedway jason lord welcome into horsepower happenings Thank you very much, guys. What an honor to be here. Well, what an honor to talk to you. And, you know, the last time that we talked to a new general manager at Nashville, it was uh, Scott Menlin, who obviously is a big part of this show. And uh, a lot of people know his background. A lot of people in the state of Michigan know your background, too, Jason. Um, former general manager at Bertrand Speedway and Event Center uh, for the last several years. And now jumping to the realm of Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Uh, just kind of talk about... 
you know, the foundation that was laid at Birch Run and now kind of moving to this more, let's be honest, this is a national scale uh, that you're moving to now heading to Nashville. It is. It's, um, it's definitely a, a lot bigger track, bigger audience. Where, I mean, there's, uh, I'm sure we can fit 12,000 people in there as opposed to 1,500 in the front of Birch Run. Um, so it's big. It's, it's got tons and tons of history. A lot of people love the track. Uh, it just it needs a little help. It's, they've been doing great, um, and this is this shows the dedication of uh, Bob Sargent because he's he's not really taking anybody away. He's he's adding resources. So it's a dream for me. I I won't have to run any race operations. Not that I mind that, but there's a whole race operations team, and I can focus on being a general manager, making sure things run right. You know, get, take care of the basics, traffic tickets, toilets, and trash, that's where I'm going to start. We'll, we'll do that. We'll get things nice and clean, uh, make sure the fans are comfortable, and, and then we'll start working on our brand and see if we can do what we did at Birch Run. You know, I know that, um, you know, anytime that there's a change of hand, there's struggles and there's things that happen that they're involved with that, but um, some people may look at this and go, this guy's from Birch Run. I mean, what 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 do they know? How are they going to adapt to Nashville? Um, for those maybe who are listening to this from the Nashville perspective or from a perspective of not seeing what you did at Birch Run, kind of dive in a little bit to some of the things that you were tasked with over in eastern Michigan that you think really kind of led you to, to be able to fall right into this job in Nashville. Oh, it, I, I learned so much in Birch Run. I had a lot of, lot of good people there. Um, great team you, you can't do things without a great team but um bertrand got to the point where it was so family friendly in fact i, I don't know any other track in the nation um, i wish i would have got the stats uh the facebook analytics when i started um but at the end of last year the um the split between men and women it was 52 percent men and 48 percent women so of course, you know when the when the moms are coming, the kids are coming, and I, I don't know anywhere else that's even close to that. Where where we're moving into a Nashville, uh, men is sixty seven percent, women's thirty two. So that's that's exactly what I want to do is grow the the family, and there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, we can we can work on the brand. I've got some some things that I can do. Um, just being consistent and showing. Uh, the brand that we want to focus on, which is family-friendly fun. And um, every, you know, people don't have to even come or buy anything to see or try and understand what your brand is. It's just what you put out on, on social media, what you talk about on, in interviews. And something that I did at Birch Run was we were really, really deliberate. Anytime that we would put a post, anytime we would put anything out, um, there's seven things, and we had to hit at least two of them, and sometimes we hit up to five. But if we put a post out, it had one of these things or two of these things had to jump out, and it was uh, family, kids, community, clean, feel good, inviting, and it always had to be clear and easy to read information. No, no cluttered posts, you know, just simple information to get out. And over and over and over, we just kept making sure those seven things were, were what we hit on. And the uh, the numbers started to come, and it, it just the job got easy and fun because it was all families that just wanted to be there, 
you know, parents with kids having fun. It, it was, it got great. It got to be more fun than work. And Jason, Zach and I witnessed firsthand, um, you know, for a few years watching you build this family fun atmosphere, right? Uh, Birch Run Speedway and events that the, the management staff there decided they wanted to go to a different direction this off season. Kind of, kind of walk us through uh, what brought you to Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Um, yeah, they were, they were looking to um, make some changes and it's, uh, I, I mean, there were, there have been a couple different managers at Birch Run and each one has grown the place and, you know, made it a little better. And I think, um, I, uh, I did what I could there, happened to be talking to Scott Medlin actually. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about something bigger. I'd like to grow. I'd like to do something. And I didn't even know that he was moving on with, with CRA, getting more involved there. <laughs> you know, the side of the and story he, I heard is that he half-heartedly said to you, you know, half-joking, hey, my position's available. Is that how that went? <laughs> he did. He did. And I wasn't sure if he was serious or not. Um, and then we, we talked a little more, and just from that really, really light conversation, it turned into discussions with Bob Sargent and then a meeting down at the, the Speedway with Bob and it went really well. And then Bob said, you know, our, um, our headquarters is in Illinois. It's kind of on your way driving home. I'd love for you to stop in and, and meet some people there. And we had some more meetings and then followed up some emails after that. We just kept talking and we, we knew we wanted to work together. We just wanted to figure out the details. So now let's talk about, uh, and we don't have a whole lot of time, but kind of one of the last things that I think we should talk about is the struggles that are going to find you in Nashville, and that is some things that we don't necessarily have to think about. I would say probably Ron Drager and Brandon Hamby have to think about this more than anybody else in our region with Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways, and that is the political side of things that you get into when you're down in Nashville. Nashville is obviously in a big tug of war right now uh, trying to get that facility to maintain its status as a racetrack and even grow back to a uh, potential NASCAR event hosting facility. With that comes the ebbs and flows from local government, which changes every time there's an election. Um, massive, massive population difference down there in Nashville uh, versus what you were doing at Birch Run. And we talked about this a little bit privately, Jason. You feel pretty confident about what you can do down there in Nashville, not only on the you know working politics side of things, but really working with the Nashville community. Talk about that. Yeah, I, that sounds fun to me. I, I really would like to do that. Uh, I, I like to talk to people. I like to meet people. Um, somebody that I haven't yet met is Marcus Smith. He's, he's really heading up the whole political side, the connection with Bristol. If, if that is going to happen, um, he seems to think that it will. It's just a matter of when. Um, so I, I would love to do all the things that I do at the track, but then also if there's something that I can do in the political arena, um, get people involved, get people behind what we're trying to do, it, it's a wonderful spot. I mean, there's a beautiful soccer stadium that's brand new right next to it. On the other side of it, um, the fairgrounds put in new um, a new building, new awnings for their, uh, their flea market. Um, so it would be really, really nice to get this, big brand new facility that they're talking about 
Jason, the one other big difference between Birch Run and Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway is you're not racing every week. You don't have to be ready for a show every Friday night that or or a show that you may have to put on on Saturday for a special. Um, you know, Nashville runs about once a month with their house division, so you have time. And a, and a lot of the events at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway are big events. Talk about that. Well, they are, and and I think that's a great thing that we have uh, we have 10 on the schedule this year um, but they are big events and they take more to plan more to promote uh, you know we've got 10,000 plus seats to fill so there's there is as much work as the races uh, not I, I guess it just shifts and it's different like at Bertrand sometimes we'd have back-to-back events so you'd have something Friday and then you just do what you could Friday night after the race wake up in the morning you know, our, our, we had some guys that were just phenomenal. They'd be there at 7 in the morning working again and then going home at midnight after the races. But awesome, awesome crew. Um, but I see this more as uh, prepping for the big races, the promotion, uh, even whatever big-name drivers we can get in. I want to get as many cup drivers in this year as I can, uh, especially June 27th. We've got a a pro late model race and it's the Thursday before NASCAR comes to the, uh, the other Nashville track. So I'm really hoping to get some good cup drivers and I, maybe we'll sell it out. I think it'll be close. I think that would be great. <laughs> it's got a, it's got the, you know, all the right pieces and parts to uh, definitely be a, a fantastic show. Uh, Jason, you know, your motorsports career kind of started up here, uh, with Michigan and, and with Birch run. Um, you know, the other side of that, right, is obviously you're you're going to sever some ties with some people that uh, kind of helped you get here, right? Um, talk about that, right? The, the, I don't think a lot of people think about this big move. Uh, there's some emotional baggage that goes with that, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, what what is the feeling like? Is it just pure excitement? Uh, you know, what what what's the mindset? What's the heart saying right now? As you, uh, you know, it's officially been announced. Obviously, you've been talking about this for weeks, getting ready to do this. Um, what's it like, man? What are you feeling? You know, it's that, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked because it, it, I think there are a lot of big decisions that you make in life and you have to feel it down in your gut. You just, you really have to go with what it says. And on this, mine is just, I'm jumping out of my skin. I cannot wait. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a great project. It's going to be fun. I mean, there's, there's pro late models, almost every race, you know, big, some big names, some fast cars, great drivers. Uh, it's a, a project that I think I have a skill set to do to bring this track up to the next level, um, get things clean and bright and, and fill the stands. And that's, none of this is fun. I mean, none of it's work. It's, it's all fun. You know, if, if I had all the money in the world and had traveled everywhere I wanted to travel and then just wanted to do something that I have a, a passion for, I, I do this. And Jason, and the other thing that I wanted to, and we talked to you a little, Zach and I talked to you a little bit about this at the, at the CRA banquet, you know, um, the relocation factor, you're trying to figure out ways where you can, you know, come back home and fly back down there. But, but that, that in itself um, is a big decision leaving Michigan, right? It is, you know, I've got some grandkids and my parents are still here. Um, it's, 
it's not horrible. Eight and a half hour drive, um, so I can I can come back quite a bit if I want to do that. It's a decent it's drive, a by the way. Rich and I will tell you, it's it's, it's yeah, an all right drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, right into Bishop Airport, there's uh, an airline that flies between Nashville and Bishop, so it's you know I'm in Flushing here, so it's it's a very very easy flight if I want to come home and you know, just for a weekend or catch somebody's birthday party or something like that. I, I plan to come back as much as I can. I want to ask you what your, this is back on that, uh, you know, relationships thing and, and the connections that you've made and things like that. Um, I guess it's a, it's almost a, a farewell message to the drivers, the teams and the fans Um that, that helped build you up and, you know, kind of put you through your paces to get you ready for an opportunity to go to Nashville. Um, what do you say to those guys? What do you say to those, you know, fans and those drivers who were with you week in and week out at Bertrand? And by the way, on social media, extremely happy for you and proud of what you've been able to accomplish. Uh, what's, what's your message to those guys? Well, I mean, of course it's, it's the deepest thank you I could have there. There, I worked with wonderful wonderful people, hard workers, the hardest working team you could ever imagine. And that, that sets the scene for smooth races that the drivers like. Um, if, if you have flow to the night, start on time. I mean, that's not me. That's these guys working hard. Um, but it's what the drivers appreciate. So then all the feedback comes back to them. They include me in that feedback and the positive feedback. Uh, without a great, great crew, I, you know, it's – the, the races just went smooth, and it was it was because we had the right people in the right places. Uh, as the years went on, our tech got better and better. Drivers absolutely appreciate a fair playing field. Um, so there were some things that we focused on like that. And then the, the people that we had working, really home is, is the best word I can describe the feedback that we got um, when people came in. They, they just felt comfortable. It wasn't like we're there, um, you know, as a business, and, you know, we can't wait for them to get in and get their money. We treated them like they were coming into our home. What can we do to make you comfortable? What do you need? And the, the fans, the people up front, really, really appreciated it. That was the feedback that we got. A lot of times you could see them come in, and you don't know where they're coming from and what kind of a week they've had. And they're coming in with their kids, and, you know, we'll have some people holding flags to pass out and, just the way culture is now, you, you expect to pay for everything. And you could see these parents, you know, they're almost telling their kids not to take the flag. And then when the kid gets the flag in their hand and you say, no, it's okay, it's, we just want you to have fun, Yeah, you can, see, you can see them drop. You know, they're just relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the night just goes great. And I, it's, it's about making people feel at home. The, there were some, all the drivers I appreciate, they were great. They always gave good feedback. And, you know, almost every single one of them would give feedback without confrontation. You know, we could talk things through. That's the best kind. There, there's, yeah, there are so many things that happen. Um, but there's always a solution. So we'd just talk until, you know, we'd, we'd reach some middle ground. It happened a lot. There were some other drivers that, man, would just give me advice, tell me what they're hearing, tell me, you know, some ideas of what they think or how they think things should go. And, you know, you got to listen to everybody and you pull all this stuff together and then you try and do what's best for the track. 
so, so the, the fans were great. The, the drivers were great. You know, there were some other people that really helped me. Um, a few guys outside of, of where I was, but Glenn Luckett, I got to know him through the CRA circuit. And that guy, you know, he would say, call me anytime. If I had trouble with a schedule of events for the night and wanted to make sure we were going to end on time and the flow was going to be good, and if I'd get stuck or hung up on something, could always call Glenn. And he'd say, well, let me take a shot at it. Send it to me. <laughs> and, you know, he'd mark it off or send something back. And that's huge. Yeah, that's great. That's huge. And then uh, another guy, honestly, I can't remember if it was PRI or RPM workshop, um, but I just happened to be at lunch with a group, and Scott Schultz was part of that group. And I'd never met him, but we ended up sitting next to each other, talked through lunch, and we stayed in touch. And he's another guy I could call. Scott, I've got this going on. What do you think? You know, nicest guy in the world. Uh, and then uh, one other guy that I worked with is Jim Hanks from Must See Racing. I, you know, what a great guy. It's just, you know, guys that you can just be on the level with, put everything on the table. You both want the same thing. You want a great show. You want to make sure the track makes a little bit. The racers are happy. Um, Jim, he helped, me, uh, he helped me learn a lot as well. So without, without those guys... And people like that that just want the sport to do well, not not just worried about their little area or their little circle. They want motorsports in general to go well, and and I really appreciate people like that. Flip the coin. Two-minute warning, by the way. Last question from me, Rich. I think you have one more, too, and then we'll get him out of here. Um, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm okay, guys, if you want to keep well, going. No, you're all right, too. Yeah, so we're, we're on okay. track as well. So let's flip that coin. You mentioned earlier you get to now worry about just facilitating Nashville Fairground Speedway. There's going to be a team or a committee or what have you that's going to be in control of race day. So what's your incoming message now to the fans, to the drivers, to the politicians, <laughs> to, to everybody? Um, you know, yeah. your welcoming message now to Nashville. Well, I, what they can expect to see is, uh, I'm sure it'll be a progression through the year. Um, but they can expect to see fresh paint, things more clean, uh, more maintenance going on throughout the night, uh, the place staying clean as it comes through. Um, I, those are those are a lot of the things that will bring families and kids in. We've got some kids' specials planned that will come in. And um, any it, – it's just – it's fun. It's I love to find sponsors that love kids, and a lot of times it's not hard. And, and, you know, we'll have special kids nights for, you know, whoever wants to participate for that night. And uh, something I'd like to incorporate also is, and, and um, the races get done fairly early in Nashville, so I would love to, um, Berlin does something that I really like, and I, I think it's every night after the races, they open the pits, and the fans can just walk, interact with the drivers, and I think it's so important to get the fans interacting with the drivers. So if they, they meet somebody or, you know, they hit it off with a driver, that driver's got a new fan, the fan's got a new favorite driver, I would love to blend the back and the front more on top of all the things to, to get families in and, and have lots of fun during the night. It's, it's very, very important to keep the, the root of racing and the competitiveness, but I think you can also include entertainment on the front side 
keep um, keep things going, keep the fans entertained, keep things flowing fast. Um, Nashville has a great start on that already. Their their uh, pit road and the podium is inside the track, so they can get the next race lined up, even moving as you know the award from the previous race is being presented. And that that type of flow is really really important, especially for kids. You you know you can't have big delays between races. That's that's important to them. Jason, it's it, it's really awesome, but you, you can have a lot on your plate. You already know that. Um, you can leave Michigan, but it, you know you can't leave everything. Just to let you know, you're not going to be able to run away from Zach and I. Uh, you're going to have to see us still a couple times a year. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> come on down. You you probably even have a place to stay if I can figure something out. Come on down, <laughs> Jason. Man, congratulations. Um, good luck. You know you're we're we're passing the baton from one guy that we work with closely to a next uh, for Nashville. So it's exciting Two Michigan men, right? Rich, uh, you know, the last two Nashville fairground speedway general managers have been from Michigan. So, uh, pretty cool. The influence, these, these damn Yankees, and I'm not talking about the band. The people that I've talked to, so I'm still in Michigan right now. I've been making phone calls all day and the, uh, I can't tell you how many comments I've had about my accent. You must be from the north. <laughs> And I, I've never thought I had an accent. Do, do uh, we have an accent up here? Uh, you, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to learn real quick when you go down there, down to Nashville. You're going to figure out real quick you talk too damn pretty. So, <laughs> Jason, man, oh, no. for real, though, from the heart, uh, congratulations. And uh, good luck. We're looking forward to seeing you down there sometime. we got a couple Jegs races, uh, a couple opportunities with the Super Series as well. And uh, like Rich said, we're looking forward to coming down and seeing you. Thank you so much, guys. I'm really excited about this new venture. Well, Rich, as we take a look at the upcoming calendar and the upcoming schedule of events, um, it's not local, but it includes locals. We are racing down south, um, Florida, Georgia. The Speed Weeks are underway, Rich, and uh, we talked about that at the top of the show. Now it continues tonight. Winter Nationals Modified Week is underway. Kicks off tonight at East Bay Raceway Park. Then tomorrow, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series rolls into Ocala Speedway. They will continue uh, throughout the week. Winter Dirt Nationals, or excuse me, Winter Nationals Modified Week continues at East Bay. That's on Tuesday. Wednesday, double it up, run it back. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series from Ocala and uh, Winter Nationals from East Bay. Thursday, it's Winter National Modified Week, is the solo event if you're looking at Flow Racing subscription from East Bay Raceway Park. Friday, February 2nd, it gets a little bit more intense. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series rolls into All Tech Raceway on Friday. Uh, Winter Nationals continue from East Bay, and then Screaming gets underway. How about that? Uh, they'll have their Winter Freeze with the Southern All-Stars. Uh, Winter Freeze continues on Saturday, as well as Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at East Bay and Modifieds. Uh, at or excuse me, Lucas Oil at Alltech and Modifieds at East Bay, and then a week from today, Monday, February fifth, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at East Bay Raceway Park. Rich dances and I salute uh, to to the status of next Monday's show. Um, and that is all, by the way, just what's happening on Flow Racing. That doesn't include Volusia Speedway Park. That doesn't include anything uh, gearing up and getting ready. Uh, we completely skipped over the NASCAR Bush Clash uh, that'll be on Sunday out in L.A. at the Coliseum. Um, anybody gearing up for New Smyrna and the World Series? Uh, none of that is included in that, Rich, so there's a lot happening right now. 
No, they're gonna. They're gonna. If if you are any kind of a race fan and you just happen to be uh, in Florida, there is something for anybody. Yeah. Uh, wing sprint cars, uh, modifieds, super late models, uh, pavement late models, pa- pavement pro late models, uh, anything. If you are down in the Florida region, um, you this is your month. This is absolutely your month coming up um, to enjoy all the way leading up to the Daytona 500. And with that, Rich, Season 5 comes to a close. Horsepower Happening Season 5 is in the books. How about that? Five years, huh? I tell you. Can you believe six, and, and six total for me, right? I mean, uh, with, with getting the whole thing started and then bringing you yeah. on. Um, but this is cool. The new regime rolls into Season 6 starting next week. And I want to give you a little bit of tease. Um, what you'll see in Season 6, special guest appearances from Max Stambaugh on a regular basis. Get ready for that. More details coming out on that. Special guest appearances on a regular basis from Shut Up Roger. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, that could be fun. Um, Chuck Darling, uh, the flounder, special guest appearances on a regular basis. And Rich, finally... After five years of being snubbed on the program other than one time, we are working on bringing you a front-wheel drive four-cylinder segment on a regular basis for Season 6. So there you go. Everybody get excited for that. Uh, Season 6 starts next week as uh, Florida Georgia Speed Weeks rolls on. We flip the calendar to February and into Season 6. And I'm going to, unfortunately, oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to start with you on Season 6. So sad. Just because I'm going to be at East Bay. Mm-hmm. I hope it rains. I hope East Bay rains out next Monday so that you can still be on the show. So that's what you're hoping? Okay. Well, well, you know, they're going all week, so I could still go back over there. Yeah, I know, but I just want you, you know, to I just want to rub it in your face that you still had to work Monday night. I'll find, I'll find somewhere to go where it's not raining. I'm sure you will. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, on behalf of Scott Manlin, who pays the bills... Rich France, who apparently is only my part-time co-host because he's got more important things to do next week. Uh, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and another season in the books of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.